the Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined once again by Alistair McLeod, who is the head of research at goldmoney.com. We'll be getting his thoughts uh, on the economy, China's killing of the US dollar, hyperinflation, central bank digital currencies, gold, and the great, great reset or new monetary world order, which may imply some kind of informal world government. We'll see uh, how many topics we can cover in the time that we have. It's been quite a while, but thank you for joining us again, Alistair. That's very much my pleasure. Now, you've given some great recent interviews on programs such as Dunnegan Kaiser's Liberty and Finance channel, looking at some technical and detailed aspects of the financial system. I'd like to focus a bit on some large trends and the shifting geopolitical sands and look at the different agendas at play and how they will shape our future. And I wanted to start with a prophetic article that you wrote way back in November of 2019, uh, so almost a year ago, called Plans for a Global Dystopia. I don't know how you predicted it, but it seems right now the entire planet is living in some form of global dystopia, thanks to the COVID crisis. Uh, this has been a recurring theme on this podcast because I feel it's one of the most important events and developments occurring right now that will have a great impact on how all of us live our lives going forward. And in the article, you detail a world of centralized global planning by supranational organizations telling governments, uh, individual governments, what to do. You mentioned the OECD and their desire to create this global tax scheme where all of our income and savings will become visible to them. You described the IMF and the World Bank and I think the UN as key agents uh, of these supranational uh, institutions. And indeed, during the COVID pandemic, we've seen uh, they've give, been giving orders to nations on lockdowns as well as showering them with great amounts of debt through new loans. And so you mentioned in November this great financial reset, and now we have the World Economic Forum unveiling in two months' time uh, this very thing, this great reset, and you boil it down to the death of the old system, which is over-indebted, over-inflated with fiat money printing, and the need to birth a new system uh, away from Bretton Woods. So could you help us make sense of what's taking place regarding this historic ec economic crash that we're living through and this proposed uh, reset? Well, when it comes to the current fiat currencies, I think it's becoming evident that um, they are losing purchasing power at an increasing pace. And the reason for that is that uh, they are issuing more and more fiat currency as a means of uh, financing government um, deficits, budget deficits. And the budget deficits are just getting larger and larger. If you look at the US, for example, in the last fiscal year, which ended um, literally a fortnight ago, it's end September, the budget deficit moved from a predicted $1 trillion to a final outturn of 3.3 trillion. Now, the 2.2, um, 2.3 trillion actually was from March onwards. So um, roughly half the year. So if we're looking at uh, the current fiscal year, then uh, it would appear that just running at the same rate, uh, the budget deficit is going to be 4.4 trillion or 4.5 trillion, a figure like that. Now, this basically means that um, it will be funded by printing money, QE, if you like. Um, I'm assuming that uh, the American citizens won't increase their savings. There is no sign of them doing so. I mean, they appeared maybe on some statistics to, to increase their savings, but basically that was temporary after um, some money had been helicoptered into their accounts. So um, 
assuming they don't increase their savings, they don't have a savings habit, um, what's going to happen is that the budget deficit will be funded by printing. So uh, we're in a position uh, now where uh, the central banks are uh, have accelerated money printing at an enormous rate. And if you look at um, US M1, the narrow money supply, since March, it has increased at an annualized rate of 65%. Now, there's a further 4.3, 4 4.4, 4.5 trillion in the current year to be funded. So you're going to be looking at a further doubling of that, at least. In other words, the dollar is already in a state of hyperinflation. And I would define hyperinflation as applying to the increase in the quantity of money. The prices are just prices rising are just the symptoms of it. Um, the consequence of it. Inflation actually is to do with the money. And um, the reason I would say that it's hyperinflation already is that I cannot see any possibility of the US government bringing its finances back under control. It cannot now increase its taxes for the very simple reason that that would damage the economy and it would reduce the amount of tax income that the government gets. So what do they do? cut public spending. Um, they're unlikely to do that. You know what politicians are like. And not only that, but um, uh, Keynesian, neo-Keynesian neo says that if a government cuts its spending, then it's um, uh, pushing the economy into um, deflation. So that won't be permitted either. They've really got no alternative but to print. Now, I've just described the current uh, fiscal year. You've got the next fiscal year. Now, Coronavirus is basically killing the economy. But before this happened, at about the time I wrote the article you referred to, we had a situation uh, September last year whereby we had a liquidity crisis in the repo market. Now, that was a sign, to, 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 to the way I look at it, it was the sign that the banking system had run out of road in terms of expanding bank credit. And since then, there is evidence that the banks are beginning to contract bank credit. Now, this is very important because this is the source, if you like, that some people say, well, we've got lots of deflation ahead of us. We've only got deflation of bank credit. The central bank, the Fed, will not permit overall deflation. So they need to print to make up for any contraction in the bank credit. They need to print also to fund the US Treasury. They also need to print to ensure that the bond yields in the market do not rise by anything meaningful. Now, the reason for that is that it would immediately throw the US government into a debt trap, and it would be then a spiral, if you like, of descent into complete insolvency for the government. That cannot be permitted. So we're in the situation where not only are they, is the Fed having to make up for uh, the tendency for bank credit to contract, also to fund the US uh, Treasury. Furthermore, what it's doing is it's having to puff up the market to ensure that financial asset prices do not collapse. Now, by doing that, they are in, in, in essence uh, tying the future of the dollar to the future of financial asset prices. Financial asset prices are in a bubble and they will implode. So when they implode, the dollar goes with it. So this is the situation we're in. Now, people are talking about uh, a global reset. Now, a global reset assumes, I mean, if it is to be done by governments, it is assumed that, that governments know what they're doing. 
I'm very sorry to tell you they don't. They haven't got a clue. They're absolutely clueless. When it happens, it will be the biggest surprise that the Fed has ever had. And it'll be the biggest surprise that the US Treasury has ever had. You could say that, um, well, they've got all that gold, 8,120 odd or 8,134 tons, I think, officially. Yeah, well, we don't know that it's there for certain. And not only that, but what you're asking by going back onto some sort of gold standard is to reverse everything that has happened since Nixon went off the gold standard or the last vestiges of it in 1971. This is something that the um, US Treasury will not do. I can say that with absolute certainty. It is possible that other countries might try it, but if they're going to get a gold standard to stick, not only has it got to be convincing, which basically means they've got to have the gold reserves there, they've got to allow people like you and me to swap fiat currency for physical gold or for gold coins, which they would have to mint, um, then uh, um, assuming they do all that, they would also have to bring their spending under control and to reduce it for that arrangement to stick. Without that, there is no reset that will last more than uh, literally six months, maybe a year at the utmost. So the global reset story is going to happen by default. It will not happen because governments plan it. Governments are absolutely clueless about money and they're absolutely clueless about what is happening. And so, you know, to extend on that, something that I guess part of this reset has been this talk of these central bank uh, digital currencies or CBDCs and experts like uh, Richard Werner and I believe yourself have warned that this will do away with traditional commercial banks and create perhaps a dangerous and tyrannical control system by central planners where they would be able to have their way with us, you know, either by being able to confiscate funds from our digital accounts like a bail-in uh, for taxes. I know the, I think the UK just proposed that uh, every household in the UK now is going to have to pay an additional monthly tax of 125 pounds to pay for the government debts, uh, or they could, uh, you know, suspend, uh, have the ability to suspend our digital accounts. We've seen the US, China, England, Japan, and you know, the whole lot readying to deploy these digital currencies. In a recent article that you wrote for Gold Money, you say that CBDCs will fail because the crash will happen before they can fully introduce these digital currencies. I've heard a few other experts say likewise. I'm not as optimistic that they will fail, but I hope you are right. What do you make of the CBDCs? Well, as you say, I, th I mean, uh, basically, um, they can start experimenting with them, but before they actually use them, they're going to want to be absolutely certain the whole thing is bulletproof. And that means probably five or 10 years of testing. So what we're seeing at the moment are rather what if statements coming out of central banks. Um, it is certainly likely that uh, the planners will want to use digital currency to uh, impose yet steeper negative interest rates. And they will probably do that. They could do that on a time-limited basis. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful idea, if you like, if you're a planner. You sort of think, well, we, let's say we want to stimulate a particular industry. We could issue some digital currency to the businesses in that industry and tell them that they have got six months to invest it at a negative interest rate of 4%. If they haven't invested it in six months, it's gone. Yep. So you can see how attractive this is in terms of forcing uh, the private sector 
to do things that the public sector wants, the public sector might think is, is, is a good idea. But putting all that to one side, there is absolutely no intention on any central bank to replace existing money with digital currency. In other words, this is an extra level of monetary inflation. That is the intention. And consequently, not only will um, existing fiat currency collapse, but this digital currency will get no traction in the market either. So you don't think uh, there's in, in the near future the possibility of going to a cashless system like some of these people have been suggesting? Well, a cashless system is a slightly different thing. Uh, we are going in that direction, and certainly COVID has reduced the use of cash very substantially. And we're now using uh, credit cards, debit cards, even for very small purchases. Um, the central banks quite like the idea of cash simply because uh, it means that um, you know cash, if you like, is, is, is bearer money. They don't like the idea of money being held by someone and they don't know who that someone is. And not only that, but by um, uh, reducing or eliminating the cash element in the economy, you increase GDP because everything becomes recorded rather than off balance sheet, if you like, as far as GDP is concerned. So, uh, yes, the central banks want, they, they do want to do away with cash. Of that, there is no doubt. Um, but I think it's very difficult for them to do so. And also, if you uh, look at it from the point of view of the users, a lot of the users of cash are the elderly who um, are not technologically competent, if you like. Um, also, the, um, the unemployed, the um, homeless, all these people, the real um, bottom in society depends on cash. They really don't have anything else. And uh, it would be inhumane for a central bank to do away with cash entirely. Um, and then just going back uh, to the hyperinflation aspect, uh, others uh, agree with you as well. I think Martin Armstrong and, and Peter Schiff have been talking about this for a long time. And, you know, I live and travel around the world and I've noticed inflation on basic goods reaching 10% and beyond, even up to 50% in some cases uh, on some items, which is insane. And you wrote in a recent article as well, quote, for now, monetary authorities around the world are relying on public ignorance about money and the theory of exchange. Those who trouble themselves to consider how their currency's purchasing power is actually changing will notice how it is declining more rapidly than official statistics say, uh, end quote. So, you know, just the final thought on the hyperinflation, how, how bad will it get, I guess, within the US and, and in some other countries, you know, will it result in a Weimar Germany style crack up boom? And as well, does that mean that, uh, you know, other countries will be getting rid of uh, their US dollars? Well, Unless they move away from current policies, then there is no doubt that we will end up with a crack-up boom. And I think it will happen very, very quickly. I mean, look at the current situation. We have had one stimulus for COVID. This is the official story. There's a second stimulus coming for COVID. And that is going to be, as I said, in this current year, unless there, is, there are cuts in public spending, which they're not, you're looking at a minimum of somewhere between four and four and a half trillion. And then after that, because the um, deflationary effect, if you like, of bank credit contracting, the um, problems of um, uh, trade, uh, the trade war, tariff war between China and America has actually it stopped global trade from the tail end of 2018. I mean, that just ceased growing. And it threw Germany, for example, into recession at that point. 
You've got all these other factors, which basically mean, as I said earlier, this printing is not going to stop. If anything, it is going to accelerate. And the consequence of that is that the um, existing currencies, fiat currencies, will become valueless unless somehow the governments change tack and actually control their spending. There are one or two governments say, wishing to do it. I mean, for example, um, uh, Ricky Sunak, our um, Chancellor of the Exchequer, is he would he's looking at it and thinking, you know, this is really going too far. We've got to try and do something to bring this um, uh, deficit under control. I'm sure this is the thought in other governments as well, other Treasury de uh, departments of governments, but they simply cannot do it. Therefore, the fiat currencies will collapse. Now, I think having seen one injection, we know that another one is on the way. As soon as it becomes apparent that that is not enough, at that stage, people will begin to think, well, hold on a minute, prices are rising. They're not rising because they're rising. They're rising because the purchasing power of the money is falling. Therefore, we need to get rid of the money that we have in our pockets, that liquidity we have for the things that we want to buy tomorrow, we better buy what we are going to buy tomorrow and the day after today before the prices rise. Now, at that stage, once the general public begin to understand that, there is no hope for the currency. And I think it will happen very quickly. And I think that um, one of the points about timing, I mean, you, you um, mentioned the Weimar Republic. I mean, yes, that is a big element of it. But to my mind, um, I think there is a, um, uh, this business of trying to support financial asset prices by printing money, which is essentially what the Fed is doing. It is exactly what John Law did in France in 1720 with uh, the Banque Royale, which was his own bank. It was the central bank. He was also the controller of the currency. So he was allowed to print the money as he wished. And he had the Mississippi Venture. He wanted to support that. The Mississippi venture um, was meant to merge with the Banque Royale, which it did in the tail end of February 1720. Um, before then, uh, John Law was having to support the price of the Mississippi venture by buying shares in the market uh, with newly printed money. So he, they were, he was doing exactly what the Fed is doing today. What's the difference? The difference is the Fed is doing it on a far larger scale. Now, the outcome of the Mississippi bubble was that by uh, October 1720, remember that the merger happened in the tail end of February, October, there was absolutely no value for the lever on the foreign exchanges in London. In other words, it was completely worthless. The shares fell from 12,000 livres to around about 3,000 livres, but the lever was worthless. So you can see that the currency gets destroyed in the situation uh, uh, that I'm just describing, is actually this is actually what the Fed itself is doing. This is its policy. It has tied the future of the dollar to the future of financial securities. And we know that those financial securities are wildly overvalued. They are only at the current prices because the Fed is printing money to support them. Yeah, that would have been exactly 300 years ago uh, to, the, to the month. It's October now. Um, yep. Just to get your thoughts on, on gold and, and de-dollarization and what the rest of the world uh, is doing. We've seen central banks relocating their gold closer to home. I believe Poland, uh, Germany and, and other 
countries uh, recently, and they're buying up large amounts. We've seen the UAE this week increase their gold holdings by 122%. Uh, and then some other interesting developments, Iran and China just signed a 25-year deal, which I think includes infrastructure, uh, energy, and it includes getting rid of the, the US dollar, uh, you know, trading without the dollar now. And you've written that China is killing the dollar and can go nuclear by dumping treasuries and, and bonds. Western pundits uh, in papers such as Financial Times and Bloomberg and others have written countless articles assuring us that that would never happen. Uh, you said that it's actually quite serious that China could and, and, and would do it. Uh, they've also been stockpiling rare earth minerals, commodities, and food as if they, as if they were preparing for war and getting rid of, uh, as well, some of their fiat dollars for, by purchasing real goods and assets. So, you know, where is gold today? Uh, and as well as, you know, China's and Iran's and other countries, de-dollarization, you know, getting away from the dollar. How do you see these things? Well, I think that China's um, approach to gold was always, if you like, as an insurance policy uh, against fiat currencies failing. Um, the um, People's Bank of China was appointed to manage uh, the nation's um, gold reserves and gold acquisition back in 1983, and also the silver. So that is very much in the hands of the People's Bank of China. Now, we do know that, um, uh, that uh, there was gold accumulated by the People's Bank of China, um, really from about 1983 through to 2002, when obviously uh, they had secretly acquired enough gold for the state to feel confident that they could then let the public acquire, acquire and accumulate physical gold, because until then, uh, ownership of gold was illegal. Now, since then, they have actually promoted gold amongst the public, and the public has acquired a figure like 16,000, 17,000 tons. My personal view is that China itself has probably, as a state, got something in excess of 20,000 tons. Now, I can't establish that that is the case. All I can say is that from 1983 onwards, uh, they brought about policies which suggest they were aggressively accumulating gold. And if you look at uh, the capital flows uh, at that time and assume uh, a modest uh, allocation, say, of somewhere between 5 and 10% uh, of those flows into gold, which was the sort of thing that um, uh, Asians at the time uh, reckoned uh, was a sensible thing to do. I mean, first of all, with the Arabs in the 1970s, uh, the Indians uh, slightly later as well. You could see that um, this idea that, uh, you know, you've got to have some gold as insurance against um, the dollar uh, losing purchasing power, however you like to put it, actually made a lot of sense. So, um, and since then, of course, uh, they, have they have also uh, done two things. Um, they bring in dory from uh, foreign countries, refine it, Gold never leaves China. I mean, it doesn't. It just stays there. A little bit of gold goes into Hong Kong on the basis that people walk from the mainland into Hong Kong, buy gold jewelry, which is free of tax, and then walk back in. They supply that market, and that is it. No other gold leaves China. Meanwhile, China now controls the physical gold markets, the global physical gold markets. So you can see the importance that China places on this. Now, I think if China was to suddenly declare, which she could do, um, because her government spending um, is, is, is in, in terms of commitments, welfare commitments and all the rest of it, are thoroughly under control, uh, she could easily go on to a gold standard. Uh, 
she could make the yuan convertible into gold. Uh, but if she did that, that would be very much a nuclear, financial nuclear option, and it would destroy the dollar virtually overnight. Obviously, she doesn't want to do that because she's got um, round about two and a half to three trillion dollars uh, of her own. And not only that, but she doesn't want to disturb the world order. She would rather that America destroyed itself rather than her stepped in to destroy America, financially, that is. So that's roughly where we are. Now, there's something very important happened recently, and that was um, uh, after the 23rd of March FOMC statement, when uh, Bernanke said, we will print whatever it takes. In effect, that's what he said. We will expand the quantity of money. QE without limitation. There was no limit on the QE. Um, and this was to deal with the COVID crisis. This was read in Beijing as um, unlimited monetary inflation. They then decided at that stage that what they would do is they would accelerate the disposal of their dollars in return for the commodities that they need. And at the same time, they would refocus their economy from being export-oriented into um, uh, encouraging domestic consumption so that the um, trade um, surplus that China has, the massive trade surplus, would diminish. Now, this makes a lot of sense from every point of view. But you can see that the effect of this is that China has a lot of dollars to get rid of. She will get rid of those and US treasuries, which makes it more difficult for the Fed to keep control over financial assets. They're now in exactly the same position that John Law was ahead of the merger in 17, February 1720. They're having to print money to absorb foreign sales of treasuries, as well as printing money in order to um, finance the budget deficit. So you can see that the weight on the dollar is getting high. Now, a lot of people think that foreigners always need dollars, so um, they're not going to sell. Now, that's complete rubbish, because if you look at the Treasury tick figures, the Treasury International Capital Flows, that, that is, uh, you can see that they own, foreigners own roughly $20.5 trillion of financial securities, including US Treasuries and portfolio investments in equities. And uh, on top of that, they have bank balances, uh, deposits, that is, in the dollar banking system, uh, plus um, uh, US uh, T-bills and commercial uh, bills and so on and so forth, totaling a further $5.5 trillion, total just under $27 trillion. That is 1.3 times. Uh, the 2019 GDP. The foreigners have got a lot more dollars than they need in a globally contracting economy. They will sell it down. China is just the first. And the important thing, you were talking about the crack-up boom. If you actually look at what China is doing, she is the first dollar holder to think, I don't want dollars anymore. It's going to buy less tomorrow than it buys today. Prices are going to rise. The copper we need to import is going to get more expensive. The oil we need to import is going to get it more expensive. We need to get rid of our dollars and buy those commodities which we need. So you can see that China is the first to venture into crack-up boom territory. 
It'll take more than that, <laughs> admittedly, to do it. But you can see how the thing is beginning to deteriorate as far as the dollar is concerned. Yeah, I liken it to the game of musical uh, chairs, and it seems like finally now that the, the music is stopping and everyone's looking for the chair to to sit on. Um, do you have any uh, final thoughts for us, for for us, uh, as well as you know, what are the things that everyday people can do? I assume well, buy gold, buy silver, perhaps crypto, farmland, maybe even some yuan. The uh, best performing asset uh, in these circumstances is precious metals. And it's, it, they are the best performing by default, in effect, because what we're really saying when we see the price of gold or the price of silver go up is we're seeing the purchasing power of the currency you're measuring it in going down. Now, as people often ask me, well, you know, how far do you think gold is going to rise and all the rest of it? That is actually the wrong question. What I do see is I see... Uh, paper currencies, losing all purchasing power, unless, as I said, someone has got the courage to turn around and say, we've got to stop this. We're going to just completely change everything. We're going to stop um, supporting everybody. Uh, businesses can just go bust. We cannot afford to support the private sector. They will have to look after themselves and we will cut our budget and we will introduce sound money. If you believe that, then you don't so you don't believe what I'm telling you. I think it's almost impossible for governments to actually stop the collapse of the purchasing power in their currencies. So in terms of people ask me, what's the target? Well, I mean, the answer, quite honestly, is um, if you look at it that way, you're looking at a currency which is completely valueless. And therefore, in theory, the price of gold and the price of silver become infinite. So, <laughs> so um, I would strongly recommend not paper gold, not ETFs. I mean, they, they, they're investments. Now, you have an investment by all means. So have ETFs, invest in gold mines, uh, whatever. I mean, punt futures if you're clever enough to do it. Um, but physical gold is not an investment. It is money. And you need to have some sound money, if you like, in your back pocket, just in case I'm right. I, I would totally uh, agree. And I guess just uh, one more question going back to, to China. I frequently ask my guests this. Um, do you think within the next decade that we could see a potential military conflict with, with China because of this uh, financial situation or, or Taiwan or some other issue? Well, obviously, we hope not. Um, we can't dismiss it. Um, my view is it's unlikely. Uh, and the reason it's unlikely is that I think that China has learned some lessons over Hong Kong in particular. Um, she will continue to push for uh, the integration of Hong Kong and the integration of Taiwan. Of, the, of that, I have no doubt whatsoever. But I don't think that she's going to go and invade Taiwan in order to take it over. Um, I think that the problem uh, isn't so much China, it's America is losing her grip on, on the global economy. The dollar is, um, I mean, if, if I'm right, the dollar is toast. And it means that uh, the idea that America can um, actually control uh, countries by getting them into debt and, if you like, holding, their, holding them by the, by the neck accordingly, that is going to end. Um, and I think really that China's game plan in this is 
that is a something that she's got no control over whatsoever. She will make her own arrangements. She will not uh, deliberately destabilize America. America is destabilizing herself. And I think that is how it will play out. I mean, obviously, we can't rule out the possibility that uh, this gets really stupid and a financial war deteriorates into um, something far worse, you know, like, um, you know, sort of naval actions and, uh, you know, ev even a, a nuclear conflict of some sort. Um, obviously, we hope not. I think that is unlikely because of the seriousness of that step. Um, I mean, all this huffing and puffing is going on, if you like, uh, against a background of they know they can't really do any more than huff and puff. And uh, they can destabilize Hong Kong, which is actually what America has done. Um, the Chinese fell for it very stupidly. I mean, they could have actually handled that a lot better. And I'm sure that the Communist Party in China at the top, probably looking at the lessons they would have learned from that. So they need to go back to uh, the writings of Sun Tzu and, <laughs> and and read them again because I don't think Sun Tzu would have um, got uh, uh, you know got the government in his day into that silly situation. But anyway, we hope we hope that it won't get worse than a financial conflict. But a financial conflict is going to be bad enough for um, the global economy. All right, we'll leave it there. Your main website is goldmoney.com, and people can find you on. Twitter, are there any other sites or projects that we should know about? Uh, no, I, I write um, almost exclusively for gold money. And uh, when you see me on Zero Hedge or whatever, it's because they have picked up um, uh, a gold money article. Um, Twitter, yes. Um, I do write a little bit of market commentary sometimes for, um, you know, uh, Eric King at King World News, that sort of thing. So sort of minor stuff. But I think all that you will find on my Twitter feed. Uh, gold money is goldmoney.com and look under the heading of research and then insights on uh, Thursday afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I publish an article um, generally on sound money, if you like. That is the theme, maybe geopolitics as well as we've been talking. Um, and uh, on the Friday, I write a market report, which looks at some depth as what's going on that we know about um, and those interested in protecting their um, their future, if you like, by having sound money uh, might find that quite useful to read. All right. I urge listeners to visit goldmoney.com, sign up for the newsletter where they can get Alistair McLeod's weekly insights and indeed keep up the great work. And thanks for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast and interview. I would like to remind you that our website is geopoliticsandempire.com and you can sign up for our mailing list that goes out each weekend with the latest podcast and a long collection of important news headlines. It's good to sign up for the newsletter in case we experience censorship and deplatforming. You can help the Geopolitics and Empire podcast by subscribing to and interacting with all of our channels such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Minds, and Steemit. You can also help us by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Spreaker, and so on. Finally, if you value our work and our mission and would like to see us continue interviewing experts from across the political spectrum, please consider leaving a one-time donation via PayPal or Bitcoin or becoming a regular monthly supporter on our Patreon. All the links can be found on geopoliticsandempire.com. Thanks for listening.